Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. I am John Podhortz, the editor of Commentary. With me, as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Senior writer Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So many little bits of things to talk about. Barack Obama delivering a 30-minute stem winder in a drive-in parking lot in Philadelphia uh, yesterday at around 6 p.m., uh, just around the same time or a little bit before or after the revelation that um, the uh, FBI believes that Iran and Russia are are involving themselves in the 2016 election and then some controversy about whether or not they what, what they were saying was that the they 2020, were putting their, election. 2020 election i'm sorry but they were putting their finger their thumb on the trump side or on the biden side uh and uh, the late night break of a letter from a guy because of course this is 2020 and the and the businessman who may who is now working to sink Joe Biden's chances name is Joe Bobolinsky Bobolinsky like you couldn't I don't know how you would make that up uh comes out and says yes uh I Hunter Biden and I went to China to you know to uh, bilk millions of dollars to in part to enrich Joe Biden in 2017 so uh, this all happened around late afternoon yesterday, so we can talk about uh, all of this as well as some evidence or some some uh, contradictory evidence that suggests that the polls are tightening. Uh, Christine, you watched Obama's uh, speech in Philadelphia. What was your takeaway? So I, the, I think the reason it struck me as uh, it struck me at all is that he finally, someone finally articulated. In, a, in actually a pretty powerful way, uh, the mood that a lot of just regular people feel, people who don't follow politics, people who aren't, you know, avidly watching the polls and who will probably vote, but, you know, they, this isn't their end-all be-all. And he, he put it in terms that all of us can understand. He said, look, elect Joe Biden and you can have a normal Thanksgiving again. You know, elect Joe Biden and you don't have to worry about what crazy tweets are coming out. Elect Joe Biden and it'll just be... He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't emphasizing normal because these are still not normal times, but just this expression of enough already. The, the crazy uncle at the dinner table can be ushered off and we can just move on. And there was something really appealing about how he said it. And I'm not a, I'm not a huge Obama fan, but he, he, when he wants to give a good speech, he can. I think we, we, for eight years, the media pretended like every utterance he gave was, you know, a brilliant thing. It wasn't, but this was really good. And, and whether or not it helps Joe Biden, I think, We'll look back in 10 years at that moment as crystallizing a, a public mood that weirdly Biden's own campaign hasn't been that good at doing, um, either because of his his temperament. Um, certainly Harris has been terrible about capturing this mood. But I really think he captured something about how Americans feel right now, um, whether that has an impact at, at, at the polls, I don't know. But it was it was notable to me for that reason. So I watched it also, and I thought it was like the best uh, speech he's given, maybe since two, since his the famous speech that made his career in in two thousand four, largely because it wasn't about himself. I mean, that is that we we spent eight years listening to Barack Obama talk basically about himself and praising himself, and then coming up with these straw men about Republicans and how he wanted to work with anybody. 
but you know they wouldn't work with him and and all of that and not being able to come up with anything uh, uh, memorable, I thought, and this this uh, as a as a piece of political rhetoric, not talking about whether or not it was uh, true or false, um, was I thought astoundingly effective, and and it was interesting because um, I think as Christine, as you noted, like it, it wasn't a global assault on Trump. I mean, what what he said was he screwed up. Uh, and he lies a lot, and he he's just in your face all the time. And Joe Biden cares about you, and Donald Trump doesn't care about you, and Joe Biden cares about you. He cares about working people. Now, whether Joe Biden cares about working people or not is a different issue. But you can see in this behavior and the location of the speech, right, which was in, in which was in Philadelphia where Hillary Clinton so wildly underperformed that they lost the state, right? You remember people famously said, if Trump runs up the numbers in Wilkes-Barre, we'll double those numbers in Philadelphia and the Philadelphia suburbs. And I, I, Steve Kornacki said this, right, And that yesterday. And, and then uh, they won, uh, Hillary won the Montgomery County by, by 10 and not by 20. And that's why the election went the other way. Um, because uh, or why Pennsylvania went the other way. And so uh, this was a very tailored, specifically tailored message to win Pennsylvania by saying, aren't you tired of this? Joe Biden has a plan to get us out of this, but that's not even really what I'm trying to say to you. Aren't you tired of this and the lying and the this and the that and like we could just maybe we can just be over this as long as you go out to vote and that was also i think another interesting aspect of the speech which is i think they know that if they can turn out the kind of vote that he turned out in 20 2008 and 2012 which of course was partially due to the fact that he had a 96 or 95 percent black turnout um that Biden can walk away with the state of Pennsylvania and without Pennsylvania, Trump's map is all but impossible, right? It's, um, is it 20? It's either 20 or 29 electoral votes. And, and, and there is no, there is no equation. Nobody, even the people who think that Trump is going to win, like that guy from the Trafalgar polling group can give him the election without Pennsylvania. Um, so it was an interesting speech. He's going to Florida, uh, I think, in a couple of days, Obama. He is going to do this stumping uh, in the last week. Now that, that Clean is, up batter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, of course, um, I think you really do see how he is trying to make this is an election as a choice between Obama and Biden. Right, the classic thing is if it's a choice election involving Trump, Trump loses. So they're just trying to reinforce this notion. It's either a referendum on the incumbent or it's a referendum on the challenger. And Obama famously made 2012 a referendum on the challenger. And right now the election remains a referendum on the incumbent. But this story in the New York Post last night uh, with Mr. Bobolinsky represents the last best hope of the Trump campaign to somehow turn this around and make this election a referendum on, on Biden. Noah, what's your, what, what did you think of the Bobolinsky letter? 
So, <laughs> I was talking about this before. The, the incentive... Look, I have a really silly name, so I see no reason why I can't make fun of Bobolinsky's name. The man's name is Bobol- Joe Bobolinsky, and he's is like... Is it Tony? With... I thought it's Tony. Oh, Tony. It's Tony. Yeah, we were saying he sounds like an extra from The Sopranos, so that's... Well, but... Bobolinsky is not a... <laughs> but that's not... Yeah. 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 Okay, anyway. So, the incentive structure when you get this close to the election for people who write about politics and pop, pop politics, really, you know, general interest stuff. Um, is to write about a lot of things that don't matter. Uh, and these emails don't matter. I'm going to make that assumption and assess- assessment right here pretty the plainly. Emails that he, the emails that Bobolinsky is talking about, that he verifies he is the recipient of this email about China that says the big guy really wants this to happen or something like that, and that the big guy is is Biden. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Everybody really wants to make it about, and how dare you? It's, I can hear the how dare yous from, from a mile away. It's just, it's so flippant and it's so callous. And, you know, the, the allegations here are so serious that how could you not take them seriously? And they are serious allegations, but there's nowhere even remotely approaching the supportive evidence that I would re- need to take them seriously. Um, right now we have a lot of smoke and it's smoke that would be the predicate of an investigation that has already taken place. And until I see anything that contradicts the evidence out of that investigation, I don't see anything even remotely relevant to something that I should be focusing on, let alone something that voters would care about. Oh, but that's, that's where I don't agree with you. I mean, I, I agree that the evidence wise, it's, you know, flimsy is, is um, almost an, uh, an understatement, but I don't think that means it doesn't matter. Um, I think there, there, there can be a story sort of um, incepted out of this that will matter to voters. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to tease that out. Okay. What is, what is the sequence of events that you're envisioning that would make, well, that would yield those conditions? The sequence of events is either underway or it's not. I mean, either, either people are tuned Hypothetically, in. What would they be? No, either people are already tuned into this as a story that, to, to their satisfaction, confirms that Joe Biden has been up to something genuinely um, uh, illegal and wrong uh, uh, and deceptive or not. It's it's Donald Trump tonight at a debate just saying yeah. over and over again, did you take money from China? Did you right. take money from China? I mean, that's how, because yeah. we know, as I think, as Noah has, has said very insightfully several times on this podcast, he can't tell a story, but he can he can sling a slogan and interrupt and do all the, the sort of belligerence in debate if they don't mute his mic. And that's how the story would start for voters. I don't think he has time to make the make the case. Okay. But. Well, so so there is there are little bits of polling uh, that suggest there's a tightening and it is conceivable that that dovetails with the first New York Post story, which I guess was a week ago, around a week ago, um, or may- maybe not. I mean, maybe it's not dovetailing at all, and it's just a standard issue tightening where Republicans who were still on the fence are coming home to Trump, and therefore the race is now gone from being a 10-point race to a 7-point race, or where it's closer from a 7-point race to a 4-point race. By the way, if it's a 4-point race, <laughs> Biden's still win- there, we're, we're now in this arena where it's like it's fantastic that Trump is only down four points. Well, you know, go back to go back to, say, 2012. And if a poll came out where it was, you, know, you remember, it was like razor thin uh, in the polling margins uh, in the in the national polling, certainly between Romney and Obama, with Romney in the lead, actually, at, at various points in the last two weeks. And there was all this polling was coming out like every hour 
And if a poll comes out that says Romney is down four, the Romney people are crushed. Their spirits and souls are destroyed. We're now in an atmosphere in which Trump gets a poll in which he's not down, you know, in which he's in which he's not down by seven or eight, and Trumpians look at that and think that they they have a win. So we're in a weird atmosphere here, right? We're in a strange political atmosphere where uh, the continuing evidence that things are not going to be look good for Trump on election day can now be repurposed into he's picking the lock again. He's got something going. It's uh, kind of stunning. Now, what's interesting, of course, about the about uh, about uh, Bobolin- the Bobolinsky statement is that it, it's not about. Ukraine, right? We've been spending a year and a half. Has it been a year and a half? Maybe it hasn't even been a year and a half. It's been like 15 months talking intermittently about about Ukraine and Hunter Biden and Burisma and the firing of Shokin, the prosecutor, and this and that and the other thing. This all comes entirely out of left field, right? This is something happened in 2017 in China. Now, what is significant about 2017, and Biden. He's not in office not anymore. <laughs> he has no influence to peddle. Right. People didn't even think he was going to run into uh, But they know they were playing the very long game. And it's culminating now. They so saw he's the Manchurian candidate. They made the him primaries. Right. They saw, they saw past the 2018 cycle and the primaries and the inevitable... Uh, resurrection of Joe Biden's career. It was a it was a very long con. You got to give him credit. Anyway, it so was, he it's like a fortune cookie that China revealed. in 2017. <laughs> well, and so then it's there was nothing. I mean that which would to the question of the legality, even if it's true that he did this, he was a private citizen. I mean, enriching himself from public office is a is a is an inside the beltway tradition of of many many decades. So. Right. And, and, um, so I, I, I mean, I don't mean to, I think where no is right. And we're talking about people who don't, you know, who aren't going to get granular about this. If, if the people who aren't paying that much attention get Joe Biden sleazy swamp creature, right? Okay. If that gets fixed in people's minds, theoretically, what are the practical consequences of that? I mean, are honestly, I understand that there's a lot of crocodile tears being shed, and you know, and and fake horror being expressed at the notion of double dealing and influence peddling inside a family by Trumpians. That's hilarious and preposterous, and they can do it all they like. And I think it's fine to say what sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. In other words, you can't come at me and say that my guy is corrupt if your guy is corrupt. Your guy is just as corrupt as my guy. But going, oh, my God, you know, Joe Biden needs to be arrested. Oh, this is shocking. Look, the, look at, the, you know, look at Tony over here saying that, you know, that they made a deal in China. Um, you know, that, 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 that doesn't wash. But, but the question, Noah, that I wanted to ask you is, what if people get this in their heads or it's like mixed up now as, as we are, you know, 12 days before the election, uh, what politically can happen if, if the attack is successful, what historically do we know about these late hits if they work? 
I feel like you're leading me to an answer that you want to I'm trying. I'm being Socratic. Okay, I'm trying. doing the Socratic. The classic purpose of the late hit is not to rally voters to your side. It is to depress the voters on the other side. When we talked yesterday about the George W. Bush DUI, the idea was that since Bush had said that he was, you know, he had basically quit drinking and he was now he basically was an alcoholic and faith had made him quit drinking and he was not a drinker and all of this, that this DUI that happened 10 years before he quit drinking uh, came as a shock and a disappointment to evangelicals and others who were going to vote for him and depressed his vote. It's not that people crossed the aisle and voted for Gore because of his DUI. It's that he got fewer votes than he would have and arguably then lost the popular vote, which is what... <clears throat> which is what Steve Kornacki mentioned yesterday, rather than winning it, he lost it by 500,000. And if indeed his vote was depressed by a couple million, then obviously he would have won the popular vote instead of losing it to Gore. But I don't and, think this exists in that kind of realm. I don't right. think it's the same category of story. This, that is incontestable. That absolutely happened. Right, no, but what in I mean is, right. So does this story, depre- can this story function to depress the Biden vote the way obviously the Comey reopening of the emails certainly must have depressed the Hillary vote. It would have to exist outside the bubble of people who are interested in it now, which is almost exclusively people who are going to vote for Trump anyway. What I was talking about incentive structures here is that it exists as a test of your loyalties. If you are to call into question this, these facts or the, the chain of, of custody that renders this whole thing kind of suspect in the first place. And now there's uh, some uh, Time Magazine story about these emails being retailed in Ukraine in 2019. So we don't know where they originated from, what have you. If you don't take the origin story at face value, your loyalties are suspect. You're not on the team. You're playing with the media, man. You're playing, you're playing in the Democrats' uh, sandbox here. That's where this. That's where the utility of this thing is right now. It's 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 base rallying, right? And demonstrating there is one, the cause. Right. There is one thing that I think everybody who is actually a person of goodwill, not just on the right, but everybody who is a person of goodwill, should be able to focus on in relation to this, which was the suppression of the New York Post story, the original story, and the continuing suppression, apparently, of the New York Post's own. Uh, Twitter feed by social media. That is a shocking scandal. It is going to have long-term reverberations and consequences for these firms that they are going to be very sorry for. And if you say that it was, if you're one of these people who thinks that that was okay, you are not going to like it in a month when something similar, even though supposedly it can't happen according to us, because this is all, left-wing bias you're at some point you're not going to like it and then you're going to join with the tens of millions of republicans and conservatives who are outraged and the senators who have decided that they want to destroy big tech and there is going to be a reckoning but that's not the substance of the story right that's the story behind the story and the bizarre closing of the ranks of including people in the media behind this notion that what you do with a controversial story is suppress it, right? So that I think we can all agree on. It is the substance of the story, these emails and this whole question about China that is disturbing. Like, okay, so Hunter, this guy, Hunter may have introduced somebody to Biden. Biden says it didn't happen. They say it didn't happen officially. Maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. 
What's the quid pro quo? The quid pro quo, according to them, is that Biden intervened to fire a prosecutor who was refusing to look at corruption, not a prosecutor who was going after corrupt firms that were, you know, that were peddling politics in Ukraine. It was a it was a prosecutor that the entire Western world believed needed to be fired for Ukraine to get international aid after the Maidan revolution, right? So, so that's a problem with the story. Then we have the problem with this China story, which is that Biden is no longer in office. So even if he gets his taste, because the big guy gets a 10% cut, as long as Biden paid taxes on that 10%, is he influence peddling? I guess. I don't know what influence he has to peddle oh, at that point, except so, maybe access to banks in Wilmington, which, which of is, course is fine, by the way. You're allowed- he's been doing that. He, he's been doing well. I mean, he's right. been in the pocket of the credit card companies yeah. and banks his entire career. And this is actually one of those weird, like uh, almost uh, Alice in Wonderland type moments uh, where you realize that even if this story is proven to be true and sticks, it's it's still not going to have the impact that like the DUI story did, because the whole reason that Biden is doing so well and that he became the Democratic Party nominee is that he is a career person. So even if this is shown to and, and this and even if you believe he was influence peddling, that's kind of, you know, par for the course. Trump, on the other hand, still thinks of himself in a lot of ways as a businessman, not a politician. It was what he ran on. I'm an outsider. I'm a businessman. I know how to make deals. So weirdly, I don't see this story as actually it, and that's been a harm to him in office as a leader. It's not helped him that he's he tries to govern like a businessman, weirdly. Um, and in Biden's case, I don't think it, it we people want to return to normalcy. They want someone who knows how to do this job. And that's his pitch. So right. even if there's this little side dealing when he gets out of office for a while, I just don't see it right. being something that changes or even depresses his voters. They want that. They right. want someone who knows how to wheel and deal in that way. <laughs> right. The other thing was that Bush drove drunk yeah. and Hillary erased 33,000 emails. And these allegations involve Biden's son. And well, what not, not possible... if he was involved in the deal making. I mean, if you can, if, if he it was is involved not, in the deal. Right. But the emails and uh, uh, Bobolinsky don't say that he was involved in the deal making. Right. Actually, the email says the big guy gets his cut or so. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't even like re- recreate it, but it's not like he's the closer. You know, it's not like the SNL, like- the, the, that fantastic SNL skit about Iran Contra where, you know, Reagan is sort of doddering and, and, you know, like joking with Jimmy uh, Stewart. And then Jimmy Stewart has to leave because his national security council comes in and then he turns into like, come on, here's where we're, we're going to move the money from this account to that account. We're going to do this. And everyone's going, slow down, boss. I can't follow you. Your plan is too complex and hard for me <laughs> to follow. Like that's, that's essentially what Biden will want, what Trump will want people to think that Biden, Biden's actually behind there using the agent. his drug-addicted, drug-addled son as his weapon to get all this money out of China. But even, but even if you don't, you know, buy in to that degree of the theory, um, I think the thing that could have an effect, could, is just the general taint 
of of sleeves here but that is the intended purpose i mean that's not like a that's not like an accidental side effect here that is the the intended process here is just to throw up smoke but But here's but 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 it is not our job to say well there's a lot of smoke in this room right i'm not talking about our job is to clear out the smoke no no no, no. abe's right this is the question yeah i'm talking about the effect look in terms of the effect on the electorate the smoke is probably more potent than the fire. I mean, it, it, and, and this won't be the end of the smoke, by the way. You think Bobolinsky is the last person who's going to come out of the woodwork with some wacky okay. claim? But it's Here's a comparative my... sleaze election in that case, then. Okay. The comparative... <laughs> that is the problem. Right. And Trump still loses. The problem that. is, right, that, that um, what voter who may be inclined, either was going to vote for Biden or is inclined to vote for Biden is going to say, well, it sounds like he's corrupt, so I'm going to stay home. Maybe maybe some, but he's not running against, you know, clean for Gene. He, Biden is running against a guy who has been enriching himself in office using federal contracts to go to his, you know, have people stay at his, uh, you know, have the Secret Service stay at Mar-a-Lago and whatever. You know, I mean, it's not, I'm not even saying that, you know, he should be impeached and thrown out of office for this stuff, but uh, he doesn't get to be the prosecutor of somebody else's sleep. The point about the Hillary stuff was the Hillary stuff... he even sort of stayed away from the Hillary stuff about money, which was the worst, right? The worst to us was the Clinton Foundation and the slush fund and Goldman Sachs and all of that. But that wasn't his, that wasn't why he said lock her up. He was not, he was talking in general about 30 years of Clintonism and game playing and all of that. And that was what he was playing off of. But I don't see how he gets... When he's going to Moscow trying to get a Trump Tower, or going, you know, or or going to Malaysia trying to get a Trump Tower, or going to China trying to get a Trump Tower, that he gets, in the eyes of voters who are even paying minimal attention, that he gets to be the prosecutor of that case. The media can prosecute that case. They are clearly not going to prosecute the case, which is one of the reasons that people who are Trump supporters are in such a rage about this because they feel that the media should be prosecuting the case and maybe they should, and maybe they shouldn't, you know, I mean, maybe, uh, but we should, I wanted to move on to one point here, which is um, this question of the provenance, right? The suspicious shaky provenance of the, of the information, the laptops, whatever. And I'm not sure that that story is going where the Trump people want it to go. Because, uh, Noah, you said, you pointed, there's this story in Time Magazine about uh, Rudy in Ukraine last year, right? Yeah, Time had um, an exclusive piece up last night that says they have two people in Ukraine who talked about retailing these photos and these emails in 2019 when Rudy Giuliani was in Ukraine fishing around for, uh, very publicly fishing around for evidence of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's uh, corruption. So, I mean, if you really buy the 
the, the, the story, which is that this, these emails come from a hard drive on a laptop, a couple of laptops that were dropped off and forgotten in Wilmington, Delaware. And then this random computer repairman somehow managed to copy the hard drives and get them to Rudy Giuliani. I mean, God bless you. Okay. But- there's, there's also, by the way, that this guy, McIsaac, the, the owner of the, the computer repair shop, uh, said that um, the FBI has custody of the laptop. Now, that was used, that it was said, oh, you see, the FBI has, that means this is serious. But it could just be equally, or if not more plausible, that stuff is going on where Rudy's behavior in Ukraine is being looked at, we know that, by federal authorities. And so... It could be that the computer was seized in some fashion or other to see what it's if 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 in fact look you can see how it would work two ways. The information was somehow gotten somehow the a computer was dropped off at this shop. The guy panics and sends it off to the it tells the FBI he's got it. That doesn't mean that that's the originating thing. And since he says he couldn't see Hunter Biden because he's legally blind and then there's a scribble on a piece of paper that is said to demonstrate that it's hunter biden's signature you know i mean you could imagine uh you know like you don't have to like read novels to say that uh the the idea of dropping the computer off at the when the information's elsewhere to create a trail to create an evidentiary trail for the computer that says, oh, he it was just dropped off. When if there are photos of Hunter Biden like doing sex stuff uh, that were gotten in Ukraine, uh, why would he have those on his own laptop? Like, that's weird. That's kind of bizarre. And then, uh, so you could, see, you could see how the computer could have been stolen from him somewhere or other. It could have been stolen from him in Ukraine in 2015. It could have been stolen anywhere. Uh, all of that stuff, like who knows? Um, but that's just as plausible as that someone drops three three hard drives off at a at a computer store and then forgets them. When he when the hard drive store is three thousand miles from where he's living, like it, you know, it doesn't. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. The Trumpians are conspiracy theory. You know, to 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 say, yeah, I don't know. It's not that the emails aren't real. The emails can be real. No one is saying the emails aren't real. Right. No one's saying the emails aren't real. The time story alleges that they have been circulating uh, through what what has to be on the radar of counterintelligence agencies, by the way, um, these individuals in Ukraine, which, you know, as, as horrible, I think, and I agree, as horrible as what the social media companies have done in response to this story. Uh, as paranoid and as reckless and irresponsible as their actions have been. It does lend credence to the possibility that this is all originating from foreign intelligence sources. Right. Now, let's let we want to talk a little bit about foreign intelligence sources in the election. But before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, the Bradley Speaker Series. You've been hearing about this from us before. Americans navigating through several unanticipated crises this year 
We the People, a Bradley Speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some of the remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org slash liberty to watch their most recent episode, which features Justin Danoff speaking on the dangers of shareholder activism. Danoff is general counsel for the National Center for Public Policy Research, as well as director of the Center's Free Enterprise Project. In this episode, he addresses the influence of environmental, social, and governance issues on society, retirement security, and free enterprise. The discussion sheds light on how activists are advancing social and political change through American corporations. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the video. New episodes will debut weekly, so come back often and subscribe to their YouTube channel to be notified whenever a new one is posted. And as ever, we thank the Bradley Foundation for sponsoring the Commentary Magazine podcast. Um, Abe, uh, no, whoever wants to take this uh, story comes out, Ratcliffe, uh, FBI saying that there is foreign interference in the election co- coming from uh, from Iran and Russia. Uh, I didn't watch the press conference. What's going on? It's a, I watched the press conference. <laughs> it was extremely strange. Um, uh, DNI, DNI Radcliffe, he's director of yeah, yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Um, DNI Radcliffe came out and said, um, you know, the integrity of the vote is the utmost important to us. And uh, we've uncovered these operations that are aimed at, uh, at attacking the integrity of the vote, most notably um, emails and propagandistic disinformation originating from both Russia and Iran. And he elaborated primarily on the Iranian plots, which involved um, uh, getting a hold of the voter files in swing states, uh, key states, uh, finding Democratic registrants and sending them emails purportedly from the Proud Boys, threatening them physically if they did not vote for Donald Trump. Um, And that DNI Radcliffe alleged was an effort to suppress Donald Trump's vote. Um, and he didn't really go on to talk about the Russia stuff too much. I think Chris Ray did. Yeah, but I, I th- presumably the Russia stuff is aimed at de- suppressing um, Joe Biden's vote. And a, briefly before you get into it, um, it is a little bit confusing to me. It, it's a very complex operation to target Democratic voters with this kind of a message in the interest of advancing Donald Trump's or depressing Donald Trump's votes. So that the idea here is, I guess you attack, you, you go after these Democrats, you scare them into getting really energetic about voting democratic. It's um, the sort of thing that's very convoluted yeah. as a, as a, as a foreign intelligence operation. It's, it's too many moving parts and a, a really complex understanding of how voters work and with a lot of opportunities to backfire. So it doesn't, Intuitively, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, so I have to say, I think as a country, uh, our intelligence services, all of it, we don't have a good handle on what all this um, digital age meddling is about, because this is reminiscent of the 2016 stories about the Russian meme campaigns, right? Which also right. threw up memes that were pro uh, uh, Bernie, pro Hillary, pro Trump. Um, they were identity identity politics, uh, fake identity politics campaigns, and the and the interpretation we keep hearing is that these are intended to sow chaos. Generally, I I guess 
I don't know, but it, it, but again, it's 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 strange, and it's these. It seems like a. Um, it seems so muddled. I mean, the 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 theater of this is a little odd too, and to announce this on television mm-hmm. is conspicuous, particularly because it's not accompanied with an indictment. It's not accompanied with any evidence that you that they put forth in in again. You normally I, I accompanied by an indictment. Right. It's the just being predicted this plot. And that's all the information we're going to give you. Yeah, but the weirdness of it involves uh, the interpretation, right? It's one thing to say we have evidence that suggests that the Iranians and the Russians are are trying to muck about in our elections. And here's the story. The story is uh, threatening emails were sent out purportedly by the Proud Boys to threaten people to vote for Biden, but they were actually by <clears throat> Iran. <clears throat> and that's harmful to Trump. It's the and that's harmful to Trump part. Oh, I don't know. I, think, I, th- I don't think so. I think if you look at it uh, less uh, in a less granular way, that makes sense. Chaos helps Biden in this election. We've been talking about that for a long time on the podcast, right? The return to normalcy candidate benefits from chaos, and I was actually struck by the the spoofed Proud Boy email uh, that they targeted registered voters, so people who are most likely to vote. And they, they made a point in this, in these emails of saying, we have access to all this information about you. So there's a kind of like inciting paranoia and, and fear. And then, uh, the message politically would, would just be that like, things are just even worse than you think. And the fact that the Trump campaign is constantly downplaying that it's a puppet of any sort of foreign government, I mean, the, I actually, my takeaway from all of it was like, I'm sorry, foreign governments, we can make a hash of this election all on our own. We really don't even I, need your interference. I mean, but the, the registration file is public information. Yeah. You know, right. That would be like saying, it's like yeah, somebody looking at the ads that. that Google serves yeah, you and being like, how do they hacked. get that information? No, but you people think they've been hacked if, they, if my, they get an email like that. I got to just quickly tell you a story on this, the Google ads and their, oh my God, what's going on? I mean, it is... I get emails all the time from people who say, why did I get this ad? Why is commentary magazine accepting an ad, you know, for Russian brides or, you know, like for, or whatever, they or don't you know, know, underwear do or something like that. <laughs> and I have to, we don't, we, our ad space uh, follows the cookies of the person who goes to our site. We have very few, ads that are sold directly that we put up on our site ourselves. This is Google advertising, which is the evil tentacular algorithm advertising that follows your browser history in serving up ads that you might like. And so when people react with outrage to seeing a salacious ad of some sort, often involving dating or marriage with people in foreign lands. <laughs> They've done something <laughs> to activate that ad, not us. That's so, actually kind of sweet compared to what a lot of people's uh, ad ad history probably well, serves. I guess up that's to. true. But um, I, I am I. I don't really agree with the, Christine's analysis that by saying to somebody in email, we know where you are. We know how you live. You know, we know what you want. We know why would the Iranians want to help Biden? Uh, why would the Iranians well, want to help Trump? Well, that's no, it, it makes, I'm sorry. No, I know why the Iranians would want to help Biden. You, you, I'm, but that's I'm not how you do it. 
I know. There's, that's what I'm saying. Also, it's a Rube Goldberg device. Yeah, it's such a, right. a convoluted plot that makes only makes sense to somebody who's deep into American yeah, political weeds. Besides, besides which, so uh, our, our friend Eli Lake, uh, contributor to the magazine, is a believer in the chaos theory that 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 all what the Russians are up to, what the what Russian intelligence was up to in 2015 and 2016, is just to kind of like make us crazy. Is to and to and to make us doubt and suspect our, our our own system and its 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 viability, and you know he knows a lot. He's very and so I I sort of take that very seriously. Again, I I I my skepticism all involves the fact that uh, when the Russians were fiddling around in 2015 and 2016, or when whoever was, you know, Gu- Gulliver Point Two or Gustafer or whatever the hell that was, and all that. It was pretty clear what their purpose was. Like when 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 they were fomenting this wild, wild wave of anti-Semitic attacks on social media that I got swept up, Ben Shapiro got swept up and Bethany Mandel got swept up and Noah, you got swept up in thousands of these horrible, monstrous anti-Semitic attacks. So what was the purpose of that? They were aiming at, they. this was, an effort to confuse and depress people who had been expressing skepticism about Trump and to blacken their reputations. Like if they want Trump, it's, they have generally, they generally in 2016 made it pretty clear that they wanted Trump like that, that that's the WikiLeaks stuff. And, 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 and uh, again, what was it? Gustafer, Gulliver, Gusifer, Gusifer, Gusifer to like, they were releasing stuff to help Trump. That- chaos, chaos helps the strong man. I mean, that's the right. right? But, that's- but it wasn't just chaos. It was all in one. You know, it's like it was all in one direction. It wasn't like, oh, we're doing this to screw up the election in Montana and help the Democrat win. We're doing this to help this one. You know, it was largely an effort to help Trump. I think it was probably it was mostly ridiculous and didn't. That's not what what it was. How you know, like. Uh, that Debbie Washerman Schultz had to quit the DNC didn't like help Trump win. I'm sorry. She's an idiot. And that was ridiculous, you know, but I feel bad that her email was stolen and that all those people's emails were stolen. It's a terrible thing, but I, you know, I don't know that it had a big political effect anyway. So I don't know what the effect was and all that Cambridge Analytica stuff as we're now learning is nonsense garbage. This notion that Facebook tipped the election. I mean, everybody who are, who has been arguing that, should be ashamed of themselves, but of course they're not, and they won't be. Um, nonetheless, it's sort of interesting that Ratcliffe, once again, we have this cross, everybody's sort of crossing over. We've got Rick Grinnell speaking at Trump rallies. We've got Ratcliffe giving a press conference with no actionable effort, right? As Noah, you say, about how there were no indictments or anything. They're just all just basically campaigning for Trump, you know? I mean, the, the director of national intelligence is now a campaign official? Well, he wasn't speaking as a campaign official. I mean, it was weird that the FBI gave a press conference and the lead speaker yeah, I was DNI. Like, I know. That, that alone was strange. It was booked, billed as an FBI press conference, but it Who wasn't. Knows? Who knows? But, but yeah, well, I mean, the he, DNI came out, he came have... out and alleged very clearly that Iran, he, he soft-pedaled the Russia stuff, that Iran is intervening on behalf of Donald Trump. And the plot he alleged does not prove that. Um, it suggests that, but it doesn't demonstrate it. And there was no associated documentation to 
to prove right. any effect of, of these operations. There's a lot of people in politics who've been swept up in this. People like the Lincoln Project who, who boosted the signal on this sort of thing. And we had actually um, Marco Rubio and um, another senator, I'm forgetting who, came out with a statement yesterday saying, warning everybody to, to stop pushing information out there that has anything to do with voting because we understand that there's a lot of misinformation out there, including the, pre- the press. Be, be more cautious and careful with that. So I don't think that's not real. These operations are real and ongoing. The intended effect of them is what is why weighing in on, on what their intended objective was here is what is, piques my interest and raises red flags. Abe. Yeah, no, I mean, I essentially agree. I, but, I, you know, I just have to say, you know, in, in defense of, of, of the press conference last night, um, given the environment in which we, we, we have been constantly talking about foreign meddling in elections for, you know, four years now, um, the intelligence community and the FBI, I think they have to come out with anything that they have to say, we're aware of this, we're on top of it. You know, everyone's nervous, but, but, but I mean, and that was a large part of the message last night, you know, like, you know, make no mistake, you know, we are here to tell you that, that, that we are, we are monitoring this and the truth is the best antidote to misinformation and, and all that. I mean, I think they have to come out and, um, get out in front of any, um, whiff of, of foreign meddling at all. But I, I agree again, that the interpretation was very strange, even if it's accurate. Okay, so uh, we have a debate coming up tonight. Uh, uh, anybody have any thoughts about uh, uh, this whole question of uh, whether anything interesting will happen that won't involve Hunter Biden? No, the mute button is going to be declared the winner of this debate. Right, because it's everybody's very focused on how the mute button. Will okay, work. so it's not a mute button. <laughs> so here's all. All it is, all it is, is there are apparently five or six segments, and at the beginning of each segment, each candidate gets two minutes uninterrupted, and at the it when it's their two minute interrupt uninterrupted thing, the other person's mic will be off. But other than that, all mics will be on apparently. Now that I've solved that problem <laughs> for all of America, um, I mean, the really interesting question is whether you know Trump will try to interrupt it, and and then you have this weird thing where someone's yelling sort of on the other side of the stage, trying to, and you can't really hear what they're saying, and then the president of the United States will be turning, basically turning into like somebody from the you know, like like Code Pink yelling from the audience at a hearing. <laughs> so the president has been advertising for the last couple of weeks his desire, or at least the administration's desire, probably not his. I would say the people around him desire to elevate foreign policy in this election. And we've had no foreign policy so far in the presidential debates. There's usually one devoted to it. But since we had the one debate canceled, um, it's probably going to get short shrift tonight. But it would be interesting to see the president attempt to make a, a benefit of his foreign policy record, which contrary to his detractors has been pretty good. And he's got a lot of successes on things that Democrats have made priorities of for generations. And he can tout them if he was so inclined. There is this, there is such a, a, a resistance to even addressing foreign policy as an issue beside the cosmetic assessment of Donald Trump as the worst foreign policy president we've ever had among the people who constitute the blob, the foreign policy professionals, 
who have been foreign policy professionals all their lives and are beholden to a lot of sclerotic ideas that have been destroyed by this okay. administration for the you're, good. You're exactly right, right? You're exactly right that that, that would be good. Biden, Donald Trump can't make the case. Well, for yeah, I mean, but Biden has a pretty easy uh, blowback. When Trump says, I did this and I did that and I did the other thing, he's like, uh, you're... Uh, first Secretary of State called you an effing idiot. Your first sec- your Secretary of Defense walked away saying that you had immorally abandoned um, our military effort in Syria. Your National Security Advisor wrote a book that sold two million copies of, and says he cannot vote for you. Ten four-star generals are saying they can't vote for you. Um, you know, uh, this one, that one, the other one, da, 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 da. So you may say that you're a success. Everybody who ever worked for you says you're a failure. Like, I don't know that he wants to go there is what I'm saying. Like that, that, you know, I'm not a big, I don't think that what Rex Tillerson says or thinks about anything should ever matter because he, he was a disaster and a moron and Trump's not the moron. He's the moron. But having said that, uh, I think that's a pretty that's a pretty like that's like throwing a lob in Biden's direction and that's why I don't really understand why the biased liberal media aren't go- going there. Well, that. it's also it's also chum in the water as Biden surely knows for Trump who personalizes every single policy right. decision he makes and he would there is no way he would resist taking yeah. that bait. Yeah. No, I mean the thing yeah. that he should say is for 40 years, Democrats have been saying that the way to pay peace in the Middle East is either through war or through a, a grand deal between Israel and the Palestinians. And I have, I am against war and I ignored all of these things that all of these experts said and went with a new strategy in which we have sought to make alliances between Israel and the and, and Gulf states, and it is paying off the way no one ever thought anything would pay off. And anybody who criticizes me just know that they were failures in every possible way for 40 years. And I came in with no experience, and in three years, the entire Middle East is being reset. I canceled the Iran deal. I made the Abraham Accords. And what did you do? You gave $150 billion to Iran, and you worsened our relationship with Israel. And in the course of those years, there were two wars between Israel and Gaza. And now, in my time, there has been nothing, right? Hardly the Middle East alone. I mean, I'm a broken record on this, but Donald Trump's administration's record, if you're a Russia hawk, this is your administration, man. They have done a lot of the things that everybody who says you want to contain Russia would do. Sanction individuals under the Magnitsky Act, isolate Putin's inner circle, uh, expel diplomats, seize diplomatic property, in, contain Russia and Syria, engage in hostile actions against these Russian troll farms, um, the real actually uh, online information warfare that we haven't seen in, in history has been right. going on under this administration. And that's all good if you're a Russia hawk, but Donald Trump himself is allergic to touting his own record beyond, I've been super tough on Russia, because once you press him a little bit on Putin, then he goes, oh, I like the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um Anyway, it's interesting because, of course, we are now, I think, uh, over 40 million already having voted. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, uh, more than a quarter of the of the electorate. Uh, and so the debate isn't necessarily going to have that much effect. I mean, that that's the odd part. If you if you isolate out 70, you know, 25 percent of the electorate already, 
um, uh, there's it's a law of diminishing returns. I mean, obviously, if there's somebody deals like a knockout blow that is so incredibly dramatic, and you know Biden, you know, falls on the stage frothing at the mouth, or you know, or Trump dies of Corona on stage, then you know, then it could have an effect. But I mean, you are limiting the amount of uh, benefit or harm you can do at at a point at a point like this. I mean, imagine if the debate were next week, which is what the Trump people had wanted. I mean, then you would have had like fifty percent of the electorate having voted. Like, I don't even know what the point of that is at that point, except to make news. You know. I and mean, it's interesting we're talking about this um, uh, tightening in these state races and there's some it's marginal and it might matter. It matters only if you think the polls are wrong, really, but tightening nonetheless, but the president is out there today taking a, a bunch of shots at the Fox news poll saying they're all terrible for him. They're wrong. And it's all fake. So he doesn't even, he's not even on board with the message. The Fox that news his, poll has him. It's the first poll that he had good news in Ohio in, in like three weeks, like Fox has him up three in Ohio. Like no one, everybody else has had Ohio tied. Yeah. So he says. And by the way, again, if he loses Ohio, yeah, if he loses Ohio, he loses the election. I mean, so he really. I mean, you know, if you're like making, if you're playing with the map apps where you put assign votes everywhere, which is really fun, two seventy to win and stuff like that. I mean, if you don't give Trump Ohio, if you don't figure he can pull pull out Ohio, then you're then i mean there's just no so i don't know what he's so upset with the fox polls for i mean he's upset with the fox polls because maybe he's reacting the way i say to the trumpians aren't reacting which is when he sees that he's down four he's down four because if they had internal polling that said that he was up four you think he would hold on to the internal polling he would say my internal polls last night had me up five in pennsylvania What's it? What's he gonna hold on to secret information? I mean, his information must be as bad as everybody else's information. Anyway, so with that, uh, we will uh, talk to you tomorrow about the debate. And for Noah, Christine, and Abe, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.